0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword, I'm Dave Tisch. You know, this past weekend, as a church, we had the chance to do something pretty exceptional and pretty rare. On this weekend, 20 years ago, Steve and Dana Clifford came over the hill from Santa Cruz and took over leadership of Westgate Church. And for the next 20 years, 20 years, two decades, 1,040 weekends, Steve and Dana Clifford faithfully pastored one congregation in one place. And again, this is just exceptionally rare. And I got a chance this past week to just sit down with Steve and talk about the last 20 years of ministry. And this conversation was not only super fun, but it was also personally rewarding for me. For those of you who don't know, um, I've been on staff here for about seven years at Westgate Church. But three years before that, Steve uh, was my mentor. He put out a call at a, at a Unleashed conference. He said, if you're a young pastor in the area and you just want to sit down and meet, I'd, I'd love to. And so I got up the courage and, and actually set up lunch. We actually went out to Rojo's, which was this little wraps place right across from the uh, Saratoga campus. I remember I was so nervous for this meeting because Steve was like such a big shot in my eyes. I had my like questions written out. I actually ran the questions by some of my friends and said, is, is this a stupid question? What should I do? And my friends were like, do not waste his time. But Steve was immediately disarming, and pretty soon he became one of the most encouraging, helpful, and inspirational coaches in my life. And then I got to work for him for the last seven years. And to say that Steve has impacted me is such an understatement. It would be like saying that LeBron James impacted the Cleveland Cavaliers franchise. So from all of us on staff, from all of us in the congregation, thank you, Steve and Dana, for 20 years faithful leadership we are all better for it and we're all better because we know you guys so without further ado let's dive into a conversation with steve clifford about 20 years of ministry all right hey everybody welcome to the Afterward. here with steve clifford hello Steve. Okay, so this past weekend was kind of a big one. It marked yeah. the 20th anniversary of you kind of coming over to to Westgate mm-hmm. and starting that. You want to, when you think back on that moment, coming over the hill. Let's talk about like how how that even transpired and and what what are your reflections on that that moment, making that decision to to come over the hill from Santa Cruz Bible where you had been to, yeah. to here.
1: You know, it was it was a journey that was that completely went the way I didn't think it was going to go. I mean, we we were pretty sure we were going to go back to Texas. We had done our ten years in Santa Cruz. Wow. We did not want to come back to Santa. We didn't want to stay in California. We didn't want to come to San Jose. If we stayed in California, we wanted to go someplace rural, a little more small town. Um, Dane and I are more naturally kind of bent towards that kind of a. a a situation so we thought we'd go back to texas we thought we'd be anywhere but uh, but god in his mercy and i really mean that in his mercy he allowed wow he allowed me to and and i i think back on it at the time when i came to westgate it's it's um i i literally fell in love with the elders huh and it was just the strangest thing. We had, we had several meetings, and there were several candidates. They had narrowed it to three candidates, and I was one of those three. And um, as I interviewed, I had more questions as I brought those questions. We had more dialogue as I dialogued and got exposed to more and more Westgate core people. I mean, they prayed me in. God mercifully allowed me in. Hmm. And I, I really look at it. I had, I had asked God to allow me to f- just find a place that what I brought was what they needed. Ah, uh, yeah. You know that I could just be myself. Yeah. And Westgate, one of the great, they have, they have talk, taken care of me in many different ways. Financially, have been very generous to me. Um, they've given me lots of freedom. They've given me lots of grace when I've, when I've said stupid things or used words I shouldn't use. <laughs> um but but they they really just have allowed me to be me, mm. and what a gift that is, yeah, really, what a gift that is, and that gift from the elders to me has you know I've been able to extend that to others and and kind of create a culture where um I think one of our strengths is the people that you see on the platform is the people that they really are, yeah uh, and uh we don't have a preaching voice and a regular voice. We, you know, we got a voice. And, and so it's, that's been kind of one of the cool
0: things. Um, just curious, when you look back over 20 years, when you look back on it, what do you see? Do you see moments? Do you see people? Do you see events? Do you see like, how, how, how does that look? I, I, I don't even know what that would be. Like, that's a, that's a fairly substantial amount of time to invest in one place. What do you what do you see? Do you see like victory? How do you how do you even view it when you think about it?
1: Um, I don't know that I I don't know that I do think about that very much. I, I um, because you're
0: so future oriented. I,
1: yeah, I'm 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 really actually more of a now guy. By nature, I'm so into the now. Like right now is the most important thing in my day until right, 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 right. Um, until so an hour next from thing. now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. will be the most important. And so I'm I'm. I, I look back, honestly, a lot of it is a blur. Wow. And a lot of it is you just you just can't help but thank God there's just if if folks knew how close we were to stupid decisions and we just somebody came up with an idea right at the last minute that saved us from stupidity, right. or how God mer- just in a miraculous way provided for us what we needed at just the right time mm. or just the right teammate. Right. I mean, our team here, I, I do not think about Westgate as a product of my life or of mine and Dana's life. I think, well, gosh, I'd hate, I can't imagine what Westgate would be without what Lisa and, and Mark Averill, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and I could go on and on and on. I but, mean, you yeah. just name any staff member you want. Right. And now I just offended everybody else on staff <laughs> no, cuz no, I, no, I didn't but, mention right, them but, you're but saying I mean that it's all just such a team said, effort that it yeah. really is a it really is a um, an effort that's you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm better and I am the pastor I am because I've had the freedom to be me and I've had great people around me that have really pushed me to be better.
0: Mm-hmm. You've used the metaphor of coach so often. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 used to be a football coach. Do you still feel like this was a coaching effort or do you feel like it was something different than a coach? Cuz a coach like recruits and they develop and it's there's different positions and do you still see yourself as a coach or is it different being a lead pastor? No,
1: I see myself absolutely as a coach. And I I rarely see myself as a pastor. Although more I've become more comfortable <laughs> in that skin now after Let's see, twenty, thirty, four, thirty-four years paid, and I worked, you know, twelve or fourteen years before right. that. Almost the whole time I've been a Christian,
0: right.
1: I got um, thrust into some opportunities where I was doing things. So I very much see myself as a coach. That's that's really the the best way to understand my personality and who I am. And uh, I wrote down uh, where. A coach really calculates, educates, and motivates.
0: Calculates?
1: Calculates, kind of sees what's going on and, and determines right. what the best you know direction is to go. Um, educates, right? Uh, and motivates, mm-hmm. and 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 that's probably what I do. I mean, I, I I tell folks, especially other pastors, I say my sermons are really
0: more like halftime talks <laughs> than they are uh, a typical right. a typical sermon. So. 20 years, when we remember this, one of the things that it's, it's really interesting, because not everyone gets this, this benefit, but I, I would come in here, I'd meet with you, and you got these little um, leather-bound notebooks that you use, and you've used them as long as I've known you, so that's seven years. You've probably used them even before that. These little these little journals and notebooks. When did you start that?
1: Yeah, I've got I've got journals that go back to um, 1984.
0: Oh, okay. So this has just been a part of your life for and I don't decades.
1: know why because I am not by nature a really disciplined guy. Right. But this is just one of those habits that's super helpful for me, and um, I learned the benefits of it early. Got it. So I've got a journal for every week I've been at Westgate. Oh my I, gosh! I, in fact, um, I'm I that that would be fun to get them out. Yeah, that would be an
0: interesting thing. Now, one of the things I want to go through is in the front of every single you. You mentioned this. Uh, on the first week of this series of Idols and Songs, you said this helps you remember. You say you have these things that are in the front of your journal. And because I'm here and I get to see it, there's the first seven pages of every journal look almost identical. You have the same things put yeah. in them. Um, and I. it seems to me that part of what it means to survive ministry for 20 years, to not just survive mm. ministry but thrive in ministry 20 years, yeah, is to... Is to have these habits and so i wanted to look at and perhaps it would be profitable for other people to kind of hear what you've done and what's in the front of your journals
1: so let me say i don't think i don't think putting you know do having this discipline of journaling yeah jesus didn't journal so sure. i'm sure you can be a good christian without journaling if he could if he didn't um i don't think the fact that i had these things in the front of my journal helped me necessarily or is the reason why i've had 20 years great years at westgate um, but it's certainly helpful for me. It, it, I, I because I'm such a product of the now, yeah, and I'm and I and I I'm not good at remembering and looking back. yeah, and um, especially when things are very significant to me. So what I've done essentially is is I have this I have a fi, a, a doc, now a, a Google doc uh-huh. um, and it has on it, um, different things like s- things that I want most, uh, core convictions of how I uh, approach life, my presuppositions about about life, working definitions that I find really helpful and I, th- I find them also coming up over and over again so I can go back and refer to them. I- my-, my personality inventories and those kinds of things. Um, some some different goals or strategies and even even prayer lists and local churches that I pray for. I mean, it's 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 the same way all the time. I print this bad boy out. I, I edit it each time. Yeah. I do a new 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 journal, which mm-hmm. is usually about eight or nine months. A journal will last me. And sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. Yeah. And then I'll print it out. I'll cut them to where they fit on the pages. I mean, and I glue them in. And I glue them in.
0: Do you use rubber cement or glue I stick? I use a glue stick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, at the risk of delving into your personal journal, would you mind reading uh, your first page, which is what I want most? Would you mind reading that for folks so they can kind of see what, um, what you put? So here, here, let, me, let me, to really get it, Sure. Um,
1: you've got to understand. I was playing golf with a guy. And um I would he he noticed that I was giving myself this self talk as I stand over the ball before I would swing. And this is this is a few years ago. Huh. And I would say I was saying that at that time I was saying, don't swing hard, don't swing hard, don't swing hard, because I tend to swing too hard. Okay. And so and then he finally he stopped me. He said, First of all, um, the mind, you know, you're that kind of a that's a the mind doesn't really respond well to a negative command. Um, it re- responds much more to a positive command. So, so instead of
0: like swing soft uh, or, or yeah, swing, swing, easy, swing easy, swing
1: in yeah. rhythm, be yeah. in rhythm, whatever it is. Do As something other than don't, don't, thumble, don't, don't, don't. Hold on to the ball. Right, right. There's right. a difference, right. And so, but but I started, and then I started thinking about um, the scriptures. And what what's written about Christ is, is that the for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, I don't think while he was on the cross, and I don't know this, but I think what helped him endure it it, in such an amazing way was that he had the, he set the joy before him, the, the result of what was going to happen. And so in my mind, I started thinking, I need to put before me what I really want most because the day and I mean just generally any day yeah. the day will will trick me into things that I think I really want like I think I really want a new truck right but I don't need a new truck I don't it, it's not worth the payment I mean yeah. you know so um, I get tricked into these other things that I think I want like and subtle, even subtle even things professionally that kind of, yeah, yeah it's easy for me to be in a culture where I see these these pastors that are successful and so I think Gosh, I want I want that. Maybe I should do a podcast. Maybe I should write a book. Maybe I should do this or that or the other. And the truth is is that that's just not my that's not my lane. Right. And if I tried to run in that lane, unless God does something different for me and asks me to do something right now, if he asked me to do something like that, it would be outside of really where I feel like God's called me. Right, right. So when I say these are the things I want most, yeah. I mean this is this is work. Right. This is to sit down and say, "Okay, I, can, I actually speak into four areas and these things are in front of me all of the time wow. and I believe that they will help me really understand um, where to keep my focus, I love that. Yeah. where to make sure that I keep these things. So
0: so you don't drift because the like you said, the day makes you drift.
1: There, is, I mean, there are some sexy things out there. And I don't mean women. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. just, you know, cars and houses. Well, thank houses you, Steve. And, I, yeah. do, I take the compliment and I receive it. <laughs> no, I mean, there are right, just so many things that can draw my up, totally. attention and draw my allegiances. And, Even and, good
0: things that aren't the best thing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely yeah, good things. Yeah, totally, yeah. So when I say these things, these aren't. this is in, in submission to the Lord. Sure. Um, I'll do whatever I hope I'll do. I want to say I'll do whatever he asks of me. Right. But as I do this, these things I pray for and ask for all of the time. Um, and the first has to do with family. And I say, I, say I want to spend eternity with family members mm. who pass down from generation to generation of faith in Jesus that is real and vibrant. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's a frustrating area in my life that not everyone in my family Right, um, really embraces Christ on a daily basis, and but but I'm I I, I desire to see that happen. Right. Understanding that life is short, and um, I, I I would like to see that in my family. Got I would it. like to see, I would like to see. It would be a cool thing that that the most kingdom impact is going to come out of somebody else. Hmm. Maybe my granddaughter is going to be a preacher, hmm.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: and and she'll be 10 times as effective bringing the word of God to people than me. Um, nothing can make me more happy uh, than to see. The passing down. That, passing down. What was the words?
0: Vibrant and real? What was the real
1: word? and vibrant. I
0: love that. Yeah. That's so good. So like yeah. true and then like glimmering with Christ-likeness. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So that's your family kind of mission That's my statement. family
1: kind of thing. And then there's a marriage component. It. And then it's I, I want to love one woman really well all my life. Uh, I want to bring Jesus out in her. And honor all that she was created to be and do. I want her to love me more on our last day together than they, she did on my wedding day. Wow. So it's the idea that it's actually, Dana and I have had the opportunity and the great privilege, my honor, to be husband and wife for 41 years almost. Yeah. And um, and it, it's it's still a ton of fun. It's just still, it's still full of discovery and and, um, and fulfillment and affection and energy. And I just, I just, I want to, you know, I, I come from a lineage of of unfaithfulness yeah. and failed marriages. Yeah. And I'd, yeah. I'd like,
0: I'd like to. You're rewriting the book on that one. I want to try yeah. to
1: rewrite that one and love her as well as I can all, all of her life. Um, my third thing is has to do with really vocation. Yep. And it says, I want to give my life to Jesus' church, oh. and I want to serve her so that she becomes all Jesus wants, to be part of a dynamic, soul-winning, Bible-preaching, world-changing group that loves Jesus and lives like Him. Hmm. And um,
0: Loves Jesus and lives like Him. Yeah. I, That's a little at, 640 language there. 640 Love Jesus, language. I believe Jesus. that...
1: Disci- the, the core of obedience is this, in discipleship. It's just being obedient, yeah. and obedience looks like a commitment to loving God, loving your neighbor, and loving one another. Yeah. I, I'm more sure of that yeah. than I was in 2002 yeah. when we first began to talk those yeah. l- that language. Yeah. You know, when I had first come to yeah. I, actually 2001. So,
0: right.
1: And then the fourth one is I want It has to do with my own personal responsibility. I want to do all this with joy. I want to steward my gifts and my health. So I can give my life fully and joyfully to Jesus to finish my race with integrity and courage, and that's incredibly uh, meaningful to me. It's been a season where I've watched oh, men, really particularly hard. that I hold in very high regard, and that have been a really important part of my of my own Christian journey, that have um, you know made mistakes, uh, and so I'd like I'd like by God's grace. Um and on, and that'll only be the way it happens because if if David can fall, yeah, you know the great king David, right, then right. certainly I am culpable or not culpable, but I'm capable yeah, of that yeah, and yeah. and i uh, i i i I pray to God that I can that huh. he'd take me out before I do anything stupid to keep me from finishing well.
0: It's it's a little bit like a, you've written a mission statement for your life in these di- different areas of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: it is. I've got. I actually have. Let's see where I don't. If I can find it, I have a. Um, I have a kind of a personal mission statement. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. It it's to help lead a local church that is effective in making disciples. Wow. And I don't have to be the lead guy necessarily. Sure. I mean, in fact, I'm sure that I won't be a lead pastor the rest of my, um, mm-hmm. you know, vocational career. But I just want to help. I want to help a local church. I'm not interested in being national or being regional. I'd like to help a local church reach their area and make disciples. And um, that's awesome. And the way that that kind of comes out, my my uh, to borrow a phrase from my good friend Chip Ingram, my holy ambition would be to change how churches work from being siloed to being relational, from being competitive with one another to being communal, from being members to being disciples, and from concentrating on size to concentrating on the kingdom.
0: Whoa. Yeah. And and again, that, that has been, I feel like that's been the drum of your life, that you've tried to do that.
1: And one of the reasons it's the drum of my life is that I keep it in front of me oh. over and over when I, I when there is a tendency... There is just such a strong tendency inside of church work yeah. to ask all the wrong questions. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: How big is your church? Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, how yeah. big
1: is your budget? How, right. I mean, how many buildings right. do you have? I mean, how many books have you written? Right. It seems like budget, buildings, Billings, books. books and butts <laughs> in the pews. That's that's the 4 B. So, I mean, it's so it's so um, attractive to be dis- to be distracted towards those other things where I think that really churches that can work together and recognize we're all on the same team in a relational network, building disciples and concentrating on the kingdom instead of their yeah. own little deal. I, I That's exciting to me. And I'm still I'm still jacked over it. Yeah. That's what's crazy is that, you know, um, by his grace, I, 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 I can't wait to see, you know, what the next chapters are right. like.
0: Because the kingdom of God's, Always expanding and going forward, so it's, yeah, and,
1: and and I have a different role. I'll have different roles sure. to play. It'll change, but I think they're still really valuable. And um, you
0: mean like when you're 80 and you start losing some steam? Yeah. I, I, well, I
1: don't know. Well, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, somebody. You know, I had somebody tell me um, recently, "Oh my gosh, you look still. You still look exactly the same." And I, I said, "Tell. I'll tell her. That's because I
0: looked old 15 years ago. I've been bald and gray for a long time." So. Is there anything else in the front of your journal that um, that really has been helpful to you personally recently, or that has been a good reminder or a good way to remember that keeps you has kept you focused? Because this past year's been weird. Um, we've I think it's been it's been hard to remember in some ways. Has there been something that's been helpful to you recently? Um,
1: you know, I guess you know. The core convictions that I have... And that's on
0: page two of your journal. That'll
1: be page two
0: okay, as you're <laughs> looking at that. All right. So talk to me about your core convictions.
1: Um, so my the core convictions were helpful because didn't matter whether we gathered or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The convictions still hold. You know what I mean? And in fact, that, that was one of the reasons we took the track that we did in terms of our strategy during COVID is that we felt like we never closed. We were still wide open. And that the church... Although different, and maybe one of its main things was was stopped for a while, we were still hopefully effective in making disciples and growing the kinds of people who look more and more like Jesus. So when I look at there's no such thing as hypothetical grace, the people who lead are the people who do. Ministry is best done in teams according to your gifts and driven by love. That all believers are are called to the priesthood.
0: Wow! Each one of these is like of, so di- all, deep and rich. Yeah, so, none
1: of us is as smart as all of us. I so mean, what all do you of of mean by
0: no hypothetical grace? Talking okay. about that. Yep. Because that's at the top. It's, no hypothetical. Yeah, these grace? are.
1: Um, there's not necessarily there's not order, any order not of in progression order. in terms of importance, but hypo- no hypothetical grace is super important. Um, because God does not give you grace for things that you only think of. Uh, in other words, it, um, one of the common things that was said to Dana and I over and over again, and is still said actually, is that, wow, I can't imagine what it's like to lose a child, to have the death of a child. There's no way I could make it through that. And of course, my response is hypothetically, no. Because you don't have any grace for what's hypothetical. I mean, you you know, I can't imagine ever going through a divorce. I could never make it through it. Not hypothetically. Yeah. God doesn't give, he doesn't waste grace. He doesn't give it to you for the things you're worried might happen. He only gives you the grace for the things that you are actually in. Hmm. And he promises that he will do that. Hmm. Dane and I were given the grace um, to navigate, you know, the years... It's now been nine years after Clay's death, and you're not—you don't get that just because you think, "Oh my gosh, whatever, hap- what if something happened to my kids?" Right. So you worry and fret with no grace. Grace isn't given to worries. <laughs> yeah. So by that I mean there's just no hypothetical situation that you can project yourself into, and have the grace of God to experience it if you really were yeah. in it.
0: That, that's so interesting it reminds it, it. it's it's there was a period right when my kids were born where I went through profound anxiety and I remember I kept going through to my therapist and be here's what I daydreamed here's what I here's my nightmares and at one point he turned to me and he said um, where's God in those scenarios and in my daydreams and my nightmares and those anxiety attacks He was nowhere yeah. nowhere yeah and he's like that's because God doesn't inhabit r- fake things right which is what you're saying, that a real God would really show up and really be there and really help with real grace. And my projection and in, real time, in
1: real time, not in things that are projected right, out there right. or anything like what that. What a
0: powerful reminder. Yeah. The next one you said is... Uh, so, well, one that kind of goes
1: with that yeah. is is the value of progressive revelation. Um, mm-hmm. And this core conviction that this is the way that God speaks. And it basically is this... When he leads you, he leads you with a compass, not a map.
0: Yeah, right. You don't get every up and down. You just get vague right and directions left, and, and six steps, and then take a left-hand yep. turn. Right.
1: It, it's more of I'm going to lead you into a land you do not know. Right. Very now, Abraham-y. Now take a step into the darkness and watch me light the whole place up. Wow. And um, so those two things. Uh, progressive revelation that God's going to give you; He's going to tell you what you need to know when you need to know it, mm-hmm. and then this. There's no hypothetical grace in the midst of it. So not just, when
0: we need to know it, because I sure <laughs> would like a little bit more of a game plan. When we
1: want to know it, oh, yeah. We, yeah, He's not going to do it there. Yeah. He's going to go be when we need to know it. Got he's going to tell us then and not before.
0: Feels very much like the principle of the manna, you know, daily bread. Yeah, right. Yeah, not, not not. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, And then you said leaders do. What was that? that?
1: Um, The people who lead are the people who do.
0: The people who lead are the people who do. What do you mean by that? So
1: I spent early years in ministry looking for people who weren't doing anything and trying to get them to do something. Okay. Okay.
0: Sure. That makes sense.
1: Makes sense, right? Sure. They're not doing anything and they've got some time. Sure. Here's what I've come to is that the people who are doing stuff already, they're the people who you need to ask. Because the people who lead are the people who do.
0: Huh. And, and, and so leaders are doers.
1: They are active. They're initiated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, I don't if I go to somebody and they're like, you know what, I, I got a lot of time. What do you need done? It I'm I'm suspect of that because people on the go, people that are engaged in life and in the walk with Jesus, mm-hmm. they're busy. They're almost always busy, so I don't ever let busyness um, detract me from recruiting people. Hmm. I will. I would always rather recruit a, a busy person than a person who's not busy. Huh. And then I would just give them the vision of what I'm asking them to help me with, and then let them decide if it
0: coordinates. With if their it gifts, coordinates with their gifts and what they want to do, or yeah. they want
1: to continue to give their life right. to what they're giving it to now. I, I, I don't want to say no for them.
0: Right. So those things, is there anything else on that list that, um, that what else is on there? Uh, you said something about ministries best done in teams, in oh yeah. teams, uh, gift-based gift gift based and, and love-driven. Driven. And that's uh, just kind of a layout
1: of Romans sure. 12. that's just, it just and that makes out a ton of, of sense. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Let me share a couple of, I also keep these really pithy little definitions oh, cool. of things. Oh, okay. Um, just to help, just like, to help me. And, and when him? you, yeah, and, and when I hear somebody define something like um, perfectionism, perfectionism is a lack of grace turned inward. Hmm. And judgmentalism, yes, is a lack of grace turned outward. Oh, wow. So when you when you make grace in the in the way that you treat people, everybody's usually one of those two yeah, categories. you're gonna be a
0: perfectionist or you're gonna be outward judgy. Which one? You, now I know. Dana tends toward perfectionism. She does. That's, and do you tend toward judgmentalism?
1: Um, more than perfectionism. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got these three definitions. It's perfectionism is the lack of grace turned inward. Yeah. Judgmentalism is the lack of grace turned outward. And legalism is the lack of grace turned upward. Ooh. That you think God's keeping score, mm. so you've got, so you've got to make sure that you do. So those kinds of wow. things. Yeah. So here's a, here's a. Here's a couple of definitions sure. that I picked up. You can see that they're in pen. Yeah. The other ones are ones that I've typed in. So when I just start a new journal, actually, this probably in two weeks, um, when I start a new journal, I have to re- I'll re- yeah. edit this list. But beauty
0: uh-huh.
1: is goodness made manifest to the senses.
0: God's goodness made manifest not, to the senses. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Legacy is determined by your final chapter, not your finest chapter. That's one I've been sitting with lately, wow. is that you want to, as a person, I want to be able to say to Westgate at some point when I'm gone, sure. remember me this way, but they'll remember me by how I end, hmm. more, more likely than not.
0: Meaning you can, as we've seen, you can derail your entire legacy with a bad final chapter. Yeah, yeah. yeah you really can. Yeah, that's true. And then
1: one, one last one. These are all just new ones. Coincidence. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous.
0: <laughs> that reminds me of that. The, what is that saying? I, I forget which, what theologian said it. It was something like, in any moment of my life, God's probably at work doing 10,000 different things. And I'm probably aware of three of them.
1: Maybe, right? <laughs> Maybe.
0: That's, so the coincidence is these things. Yeah. Oh, man, that's fantastic. So I
1: just grab, excuse me, I just grab stuff like this when it comes across and I'll, I'll just I hang on to them.
0: Cool. Final final question for you. 20 year, man, 20 years, two decades. When you think about remembering, what do you want to be remembered for as the leader Westgate? If people thought of you and as they think back on your 20 years, what what would most be fulfilling to you if people thought of you in that particular way?
1: You know, I, I, honestly, I have, I don't spend any time really thinking about that. Hmm. Uh, and I, I guess I would say I, I, I'll i leave that. I'll just leave that to them. Um, and probably some people, you know, because you're so many different things for so many different people when you're in this weird thing called pastor. Yeah. Um, so some people will remember me as a coach and some people will remember me as a shepherd and some people will really remember me as a leader some people might remember me as a networker some people might remember me as somebody who yelled too much and was angry a lot of the time I mean who knows I don't know sure. so I don't I just don't know I don't know that energy spent on that I've got these things that I want most and I feel like would that f- to fulfill my calling that God has placed on my life as I understand it okay and, yeah. and so I may have some of it wrong but as I understand it you know, I, I I want to I want to be in a family situation that's generationally faithful to Jesus. I want to love my wife well yeah. all her life. I I want to give my life to the church and see uh, a, a group of people get actually effective in building discipleship and, and turning people more and more like Jesus. And I want to do it in a way that's joyous because um, it's such a joy such an indicator of the condition of of our hearts mm. as we see God accurately. So. Um, I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna try to do that. I mean, that's what I really want. I mean, if God, if God said, "What's the stuff you really want me to do?" It's not, you know, give me a bigger house, more square footage, faster car, shiny or whatever. Um, it really is those kinds of things. And if God will allow me to just give my efforts towards that, I'm gonna leave the rest of it. I'll leave the the rest of it up to somebody else.
0: That's awesome. Well, Steve, 20 years at Westgate. Here's, I'm to the, here's to the next 20, all right? I'm thankful. All right. Maybe so. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, Steve. All right. Just want to thank Steve Clifford for taking the time, not just for the podcast, but taking the time over the last 20 years to faithfully serve Westgate. Join us next week as we jump into our brand new sermon series, which is based on joy. If there's one thing this world needs right now, it's a ton of joy. I am so excited about this sermon series, and we're going to start talking about it next week. See you then.